0: Matthew chapter 14, we've been talking the last few weeks about the subject of taking God at His Word. When things are going good, it's easy to say God is good, alright? When we wake up in the morning and we're relatively healthy and we wake up and the day is relatively planned out well and no flat tires and no leaky roofs, man, we say God is good. But what happens when things aren't so good? Are we still able to take God at His Word and walk in obedience? I trust that we will. In Matthew chapter 14, we're going to look at in just a few moments, there's a couple of vital principles that we need to be reminded of. But can I say there are always, as we've talked about these last several weeks, there will always be whoever's. We talked about uh, the spy going out to spy out the land that God was giving them. And they looked at it it as a great land, a a beautiful land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was an awesome, awesome place. However, they're giants. You know, there are always going to be, however, there are always going to be circumstances. There are always going to be nonetheless. And today we see a picture of busyness, life was a bit busy and chaotic. You know, John the Baptist was just beheaded. I mean, what a weekend! Um, he goes before and, and at the party and. And uh, someone requires his head, and off with the head. I mean, what a, what a miserable weekend! And then it goes from the from that right into the feeding of the five thousand, and it's just busy. And then we come into our text in Matthew chapter fourteen, beginning of verse twenty-two. If you would, follow along as I read that text, it says immediately he made his made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already over a mile from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. And around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped Him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is where life happens, I think. Jesus sends His disciples out in a boat to go to the other side while He went up into the mountain to pray. Uh, you know, you have to wonder, as I've said many times, God is not shocked at the events of a given day. God doesn't wake up in the morning, scratch his head, and say, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. God is an awesome God who knows everything. And I have to believe in in the midst of all that is taking place, the busyness of the feeding of the 5,000, and now sending his disciples away to the other side and to be able to take a time alone to pray and and to meet with his heavenly Father. I I have to believe that Jesus knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that as he sent them away, they were going to go through something difficult. It was no shock that they were going to encounter a storm. The boat is over a mile away from the land and the storm hits. This is not what the disciples expected, I'm sure. Things that we don't expect happen when we don't expect them to happen. You ever notice that? But think about this. God knew they would. Do we believe that? That when we wake up in the morning, as we get dressed, as we go about the day, God knew that the brakes were going to go out. Uh, we, we don't like that. We don't expect that. We don't. Things happen that we don't expect when we don't expect them to happen. But that's life. This is where real life happens. This is where the rubber meets the road. When we go out and things that we don't anticipate happen, and there we have an opportunity and a choice as to how we're going to respond, an opportunity to respond in the flesh, or an opportunity to respond in the Spirit and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? How, what is it that you want me to learn through this? How is it that you want me to respond to these circumstances that you have allowed? Because you have to remember, if you believe that God is sovereign, God could have, think about this, He could have withdrew any possibility of any harm, could He not? We've said it many times, Katrina... The tsunami of yesteryear, the 911. God, if God is as powerful as we say He is, God could have said, no, I'm not going to let that happen. But He does. So that means that He has something that He wants us to learn from it. He has something that He is trying to teach us when He allows these things to enter into our life. Whether it's an issue of prayer, whether it's an issue of trust, whether it's an issue of just depending on Him completely versus our own flesh, God usually has something that He's wanting to teach us through these things. But this is not what the disciples expected, I'm sure. Can you imagine on the mountaintop? I mean, a miracle had just taken place. Uh, I mean, he's out there and, and with these couple of fish and a and couple of loaves of bread, he's fed the thousands. Can you imagine the talk of the boat as they're going out? Hey, guys, you ever seen such a thing? I mean, can you imagine? Did you ever expect this? I mean, I mean, the disciples were wanting to send them away. Remember that in the, in the previous verses? Verse 16, he says, They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. Um, where, where's that going to come from? God does the miraculous. He does the unexpected when the unexpected happens. That's awesome. We've got to think about that that God is powerful enough to do the unexpected when the unexpected happens. And that's what He is about to do. But we only have five loaves and two fish here. That's all we've got. Bring them to me. <laughs> okay, but that's going to work with like two people if they're like me. Um, there's thousands. <laughs> but God does the unexpected when the unexpected happens. But think about this. God knows everything. He knows what the solution is. I sing about this this week. Job 37, verse 16. God is perfect in knowledge. I mean, there's nothing that God doesn't know. And when we consider that, that ought to give us confidence and strength in our own faith, in our own journey, in our walk with God, because there's nothing that God doesn't know. Think about that. 1 John 3, 19 and 20. God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. God doesn't wake up in the morning and say, Wow, how did that get by me? He knows everything. Matthew chapter 10, 30. God knows the number of hairs on your head. Even if was only a couple, Bill. I mean, God knows everything, right? Well, think about it, guys. It's all going to turn gray or turn loose. It's all going. <coughs> it's turning somewhere. He knows, though think about that that's mind-boggling that God knows these things Psalm chapter 139 verse 4 and there's a whole chapter of what God knows there but he knows our words before we speak them Luke chapter 12 verses 29 and 30 he knows what we need before we ask and to think for a moment that we have we kind of in the back of our minds think I wonder, does God really know how difficult things are in my life right now? Yeah, He knows. Does God really know that I'm really struggling financially? Yeah, He knows. Does God really know that I'm really struggling with patience with my kids? Yeah, He knows. Does God really know that I'm really having a... Yeah, He knows. And there's nothing that He does not know. All the more reason that we have to depend on Him, to trust Him, to rely on Him for everything. And see, the disciples now are faced with an opportunity of how they're going to respond. They're out there in the middle, surrounded by water and wind, and the waves are tossed to and fro, and something awesome is going to happen here. But look at verses 25 and 26 first. Verse 25 says this, Around three in the morning, He came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But think about this. Unexpected circumstances usually cause us to fear. Because in the moment the car breaks down, what's immediately your response? What do I do? I'm out here. I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Where's the money going to come from? Fear. Unexpected things usually cause us to fear. But what was the Lord's response when they began to fear? Next verse, 27. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. When I think about this, that blows my mind. So I'm reminded this week, and I kept continuously reminding Hans and Jan of this week. Psalm fifty-six, three says this, When I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. I don't know about you, but we can't trust in ourselves, even in moral things what, is, what does God's word tell us? You say our heart is deceitfully wicked. who can know it? Desperately wicked that's why we have to depend on God for everything. we can't trust our own flesh we can't trust our own strength we're not strong enough. We need God desperately, right? Anyone else feel that way? We need God desperately. And when we fear, that's not a bad thing. What does Proverbs tell us? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let's place that fear in God, not in things, not in circumstances. In Isaiah 26, three, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed, focused on, dependent on God. He's got everything under control. You know what? Thus far, God has not made any mistakes. Do you believe that? He's not made any mistakes. He knows exactly what He's doing. And what I realize is this, that God is with us during these difficult times. Three passages of Scripture. Deuteronomy 31.6 reminds us, it says, God will never forsake us. He'll never forsake us. In Joshua 1.9, it says God is with you wherever you go. He's a reminder to Joshua. It's a reminder of us today. That no matter where we go, no matter what we do, God is with us. In fact, turn your Bible to Psalm 139 just for a moment. I told you we were going to come to this and we're going to take just a moment there just to be reminded. And as you're turning there, let me remind you of Hebrews 4. He All things are naked and open before God with whom we have to do. In other words, God sees everything. But in Psalm 139, especially in these few verses, 7 and following, it says this. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settled at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Think about that. I don't know. There's a couple games we used to play as a kid. Ghost in the graveyard. Anybody ever played that game? go out in the field, you play Ghost in the graveyard, you hide. And what was our greatest ability to hide? It was the darkness. Or you play tag in the dark. Or you play hide and seek in a big building at nighttime when it's dark and all the lights are off. Love those games. I used to play capture the flag. Yes. Camouflage, fully decked out, face paint and all. I've had guys step on my legs thinking it was like a downed tree. I love that game. Darkness was the greatest. But you know, it says, even in the dark, you can't hide from God's presence. Jonah learned that out. Hard lesson to learn. But folks, it's a reminder that God is everywhere. It's not only the ultimate accountability because God sees everything I do, but it's also the ultimate ultimate comfort because He's everywhere I go. He goes before us, goes with us, comes behind us. Several places in the New Testament talk about that, or in the Old Testament talk about that. It's everywhere we go. You can't escape his presence. And here for a moment, we have to understand that God is with us during the difficult times, not just the good times. You know, our our, our nature as a man is to what? Fix problems. Regardless of the type of problem, we want to fix whatever is wrong. Um, Hans looked at me yesterday and said, Man, I can't fix this. And I said, Nope, you can't. Try as you may, you can't fix it. You can't. We want to fix everything, but what we have to realize is that this is in God's hands. And He's everywhere. He knows about it. But here's what He says here, back in our text, Matthew 14. says have courage it is i don't be afraid but here's what we often do verse 28 we question it's our human nature not saying it's right but we do it well god i i i think that's you but well if it's really you command me to come be careful what you ask for (laughs) you might just get it so peter steps out of the boat and begins to walk towards the Lord. He says, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. There's the taking God at His Word part. There's where the trust comes in. There's where it becomes very difficult at times to really see, God, are you there? Do Do you really know what's going on? Yeah, I'm here for you. So Peter climbed out of the boat and began to walk. And then, remember those however? Remember those circumstances? Remember those things that we didn't expect? Peter happens to notice something. You see what he notices? The waves. And let me just say, just like there will always be circumstances, there are always going to be waves in our life. Nobody lives life without waves. It's part of life. You may not call them waves, but you have them. Things that don't go your way, things that distract, things that take our focus off of what they should be. For Peter it was a wave. Look at the look at the verse here again. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord save me. Man. More circumstances. And you know, circumstances challenge us. Circumstances distract us. And no matter what they are, we have a choice to make at that moment. We can continue to try to stay above water and tread, but guess what happens when you tread for long enough? You're going under. Without the help, you're going under. And in life, without help, we'll go under. And our help is from the Lord. And I think it's amazing here that God teaches Peter this lesson. In that moment, he begins to sink. What does he do? Cries out, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? About it. It's never too late to start following Jesus. We've been saying that through this series. It's never too late to start following Jesus. We are so programmed in our culture to do things ourselves because we think we can. We're programmed to say, I got this one, God. And when it gets real desperate, then we cry out a hail. You know, it's like throwing out the Hail Mary and say, God, are you there? Just for a moment, I started to tell you about Hans. He said, I want to fix it. And I said, He goes, I can't do it. And I said, You're right, you can't. He goes, I can't do anything. I said, you're right, you can't do anything. And I said, it's kind of like that poem, Footprints in the Sand. It's at that moment that you want to do something. You want to pick her up. You want to fix this. But it's at that moment that God is carrying the weight of it. God's got it all under control. He's got it all under control. He's got every circumstance in our life under control. It's a matter of whether or not we believe it or not. Circumstances Challenge us. Circumstances distract us. But what's the solution? Verse 31, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? It comes down to an issue of what? For many of us in all these circumstances. Faith. And Hebrews remind us, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he exists and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He wants us, and he wants our faith, I believe, to be challenged. It's one thing to say we have faith. But when the distractions come and when the difficulties arise, that's what really tests our faith. Will we turn to God, or will we continue to do it in our own flesh and our own strength? And we know the result of both of those. One more part of the verse here. So the challenge he says, "You have little faith." So we need to increase our faith. We need to trust God. But look what it says verse thirty-two: When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat, what's the next word? What's it? Worshiped him and said, "Truly, are you are the Son of God?" I think God ultimately does everything that He does for one reason to bring every circumstance back into a position where we can bring glory back to him when god does something it's not for us it's for himself think about that everything that god does is for his own glory i looked at hans and jen and i said listen whether god heals us or not is irrelevant to this fact and i said this is a hard pill to swallow But whether or not he does this, I said, we have an opportunity to praise him through it or just pretend it's a big problem. I said, in human eyes, it's a problem. In God's eyes, it's a project. And if it's a problem, it's bigger than life and we're going to fail by it. If it's a project and we've given it to God, he's going to turn it into an opportunity to praise him. Somehow or another, God will use this event if we allow him to. Not for our own good, but to bring praise and glory back to himself. That's why these things come. You know why Jesus did every miracle? I, I, I learned something in my class this week. Just a reminder from John 20, verse 31. John 20, 30 and 31. Jesus said, These and many other signs I did that are not recorded in the book jesus didn't share everything there are a few things he kept out for his own reasons his own purposes i like what old monroe parker used to always say if god can't have any secrets who can there's some things we don't know but he says these i have included why that you may know who i am and who is he he's the messiah he's god incarnate in the flesh And he does everything that he does so that in the end we would bring glory back to him. He does what he does not for us but for himself. He's sovereign. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. And if we respond right to it, he'll be glorified. Right? So everything in life becomes a choice. We can focus on the waves as Peter did and the wind that's tossing them around. Or, we can stay focused. I mean, when did he begin to sink? Let's let's get real down to brass tacks here. When did he begin to sink? When he took his eyes off Jesus. When do we struggle in life? Every one of us. When do we have struggle? When we take our eyes off Jesus. Peter's still wet, even though? Yeah, he's still wet. He's still going to get messy? Yeah, he'll still be messy. But that's okay. We need to keep our focus on him. I don't know it's you, but I'm challenged by that. He said, oh, you have little faith. I need that challenge. I need to learn to take God at his word in every circumstance, not just when it's easy. And every day we're faced with these opportunities. Every day God gives us an opportunity. Every day that we wake up, put our feet on the floor, it's another day of choices and opportunities to either please God or please ourselves. And you know which one's going to last. And you know which one's going to bring despair, ultimately. So it's a choice. Peter's simple response of obedience at that moment was to simply... Come. And for a moment, he did great until he took his eyes off Jesus. But here's the wonderful thing as I said, it's never too late to start following Jesus. Because in that moment of falling, he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down. It's never too late. In order for Jesus to reach down, in order for him to be saved, what did Peter have to do? He had to grab the hand. I believe that Jesus Christ is still there. Jesus hasn't moved. He's God. Man's the one that moves. God's God. He doesn't change. We need to learn that. So challenge all of us. Let's trust God all the time. Let's take God at His word all the time. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when it's going good. Not just when it feels like the right thing to do another thing we learn feelings mess up situations feelings really mess up situations sometimes I don't feel like this person they're tired don't look at feelings look at the facts they love you but we get feelings messed up go by facts and the fact is that Jesus loves us the fact is that he cares for us and he has our best interest in mind and we can get mad at the circumstance or we can say, God, what do you have for me in this one? God, what is it that you want me to learn? Response is either obedience and faith or not. The choice is there. How will we respond? I love it when Jim was telling us, every time something unexpected happens, he looks for God to do something unexpected as well. I love hearing testimonies like People who've learned to trust God. Folks, we ought, have, we ought to have a book of what God's doing in our life. I've written some things down, and I look back every once in a while and I say, wow, that's pretty cool. I looked at Hans and Genesis. I don't know what the outcome is. I really don't. I have no idea. But God knows. That's all I need to know. He's in charge. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord.